Hello and welcome to For the Love of Marlin. I am Sonia and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi Mila. Hello. Episode 24, The Witch's Quickening. No turning back. Before I get into the synopsis, <laughs> I have to wonder if quickening is a word that British people use because I've never heard it and I had to look it up. So did I. So, you know, we're in the same boat here. I can't really help you. Well, because in the commentary, it's the director, one of the producers, and Katie McGrath. Katie said that she saw the title and she said, is there something I don't know, a shot, a scene that I wasn't there to shoot where they use my double? Because it's, it's a pregnancy term, mostly, as far as I understand. Correct. That's what I, when I researched it, it's basically like the initial movement inside the womb that's the, that the mother feels in the beginning. Which is why I call this episode that because, so the director said it's referring to your magic, like birthing your magic, right? Right. I get it now, but it wasn't so deadly obvious to me. And that's why I named it this way, because that's kind of where we're at. There's no turning back, right? For Morgana, this is what the episode's about. Synopsis. Uther has a precious magical relic locked up tight in the Camelot vaults that many have lost their lives trying to reclaim. This episode is weird for me because it's a lot. <laughs> what did you say right before we started? I mentioned it right before this started, that this episode is really just a setup for all the other horrible things there are to come. That's what it feels like. It really is. It's a setup to the season finale, right? Yeah. It's weird because it's, it's not light at all, ever. There's a scene during the commentary when they said this is the only light beat. It's not that light. And it's the, it's the scene with the soup. And actually, the producer hated it, but we'll get into that. He was like, I hate this scene. What? I love this scene. Really? <laughs> That's amazing. We'll get into the scenes specifically. I can't believe it. This is uh, like my favorite scene. I don't know. I like the, I like the words of this scene. You're talking about Arthur's soup mm -hmm. or Merlin's soup at the end? No, I'm talking about Merlin's soup at the end. Okay, that's so funny because that is a magical, that is the most magical moment of this whole episode acting-wise. I don't even want to get into it. Love it, love no, it. the Arthur soup scene. There's two soup scenes in this. <laughs> I'm like, I think we're talking about different soup scenes. How is that even possible? My God. Soup scenes aside... <laughs> The most amazing thing of the whole commentary I have to get into before we get into the episode, because this goes back to things we've talked about. I don't know. It's tw episode 24. We maybe talked about this 10 different times. At one point during the commentary, when Alvar magics open the cell, Katie McGrath in the commentary says, why wouldn't he have done that in the first place? And Julian, the producer goes, we don't ask these questions. And I just was like, ah, ha. <laughs> I was like, I do ask these questions. We have a whole podcast where all I do is ponder why the hell someone would sit in a cage if they had magical powers. We talk for hours only asking questions. What are you talking about? Yes, we do. These are the things that keep us talking on a podcast. And he's just like, no, no, no. You just let that go by. Which is funny because you and I always discuss it for 10 minutes. And then at the end, decide what? We're just going to let it go by. Well, because, you know, when you like the series, you have to let things like this slide because otherwise you're not going to enjoy what comes next you're not just you're not getting into the story you're not going to believe the rest of the story if you don't believe that specific part so you just have to let it go exactly because Katie McGrath's answer to him was talking dragon which I think at this point of their working relationship is a reference back to things I've heard in commentaries from season one and interviews from season one 
where it's like, don't nitpick the apples and the time period. There's a talking dragon. Yes. Like, don't get into these small things with me, which I agree. But we do have to point them out because don't ask that question is an impossible thing to ask of someone when like someone has magical powers and they're sitting in a cell. Just leave. It is astonishing to me that Uther ever managed to kill any sorcerers because um, they have magical powers. Yes, I agree with you. What I made up in my head, do you know what, <laughs> do you know what I want to, do you know the backstory that I made up in my head here? Please. That's why we're here. Well, that the only way that he was able to use his magic to escape is because he was sure that he could pass by the guards. Sure. That's the way that I made it because he knew that there would be guards there and they would be ready to kill him. So dying there or dying for a cause in front of everyone, I guess I would just like to live a little bit longer and die for a cause the next day. I think for me, overall, that argument always goes to how do you kill any sorcerer? I'm not going down this rabbit hole. Just like Julian said, you know, to ask these questions and you just move on. The thing about this episode that I wanted to get into broadly is the fact that repeatedly through my notes throughout this episode, I write down how just everyone is in a shitty mood in this episode. Arthur is very yelly in this episode. I'm like, stop yelling. Why do you yell so much? What's wrong with you? This is the most yelly he's been in a while, but everyone's grouchy in different scenes with different people. Yeah. There's just a tone here where everyone's on edge and it makes the episode intense. Not just the things that happen make it intense. Everyone being at this emotional level throughout the episode makes me feel intense by the end. It is intense, but for me, I actually really enjoyed this episode because it wasn't intense. It wasn't an intense like, am I going to be really upset because somebody's going to die possibly? It was an intense in a way that I was very interested to see what was going to happen to this character that we've been following for a while, which is Morgana. Right. So it, it felt from the beginning like this is a breaking point of her character development. So I'm, I want to get to the end because I want to know what happens. I want to know the direction that she's going to go. Yeah. So it's not like fear intense, upset intense. It's not intense like the witch finder where the intensity comes from hopelessness for your characters the whole time. Yes. Which is the most upsetting episode, I think, for me to date because the whole time I'm upset and feeling hopeless. Oh my God. I hate it. I mean, I think it's a brilliant episode, but it's painful. I hate the feeling throughout the episode. Yeah. It's a good 30 minutes of just, I feel like I'm getting tortured in that episode. Here, it's more intriguing. Yes. Intriguing, but there is an, a discomfort level that I'm feeling from everyone that makes me sort of uncomfortable. Not in a bad way. Yeah, I get that. That being said, look, we start out this episode in a funny tone because what I wrote in my notes was, oh, what a lovely day in camera. Oh, <laughs> you know what? This guy. What did you think of him in the beginning? Because Alvar, played by Joseph Maul, I don't know, you could go either way. I already knew the way it was going to go. So it was hard for me to remove myself during this scene, to be honest. Because I'm like, oh my God, we're always under attack. So my first instinct was actually being like, this is a trap. And then he went to the guy. And then he goes to the guy, the guy's laying on the floor. And I'm like, Shh, maybe it's not a trap. Just settle down, Mila. Just like, just watch the episode. And it was a trap. So I was like, aha. Not only was it a trap, but it made me question something. Because that guy's not a guard. He's a knight. You know, we can tell the knights and the guards apart by good costumes. Are the Camelot knights any good besides Arthur? <laughs> I have to ask at this point. 
So today, after this happened, I'm like, I'm going to go back to the very first episode in the first season. If anyone has these numbers, please message us because I want to know. I want to know how many knights and how many guards have died since the first episode. <laughs> because it must be hundreds. It's hundreds of people. I played our season one Merlin bingo sheet during this. And um, a knight dying is on that bingo sheet. <laughs> it is. I did get bingo. Not for one reason that you would think, which we'll get into, because there's something I'm very impressed about that's the other side of the coin on this. Because, okay, this knight doesn't seem very well trained. And then, of course, it's the Mordred reveal, which is, I'm like, ugh, this kid's back. <laughs> Fucking creepy. Literally, what I have on my notes is, ugh, U-G-H, just, ugh, you again. I'm glad you spell it right. Also, I'm sorry to Asa Butterfield, who plays young Mordred, because he's a very good actor. I have no problems with him. He's doing a good job. That's why I'm annoyed. It's really not anything against you. It's your character that we know. Whenever he shows up, shit's going to go down. It's not good. If you also look at his picture on IMDb, he's like an adult now. So just go do that for a second so you can feel old like us. So it's so upsetting. It's so upsetting. But what I'm getting to is here's something I never checked off on the bingo board. Again, the season one bingo board ever during this episode. I never checked off the box that says that Camelot has terrible security and the guards stink. Because I feel like the guards make a really good effort in this episode from this scene where the guards have a Camelot night write up and they still check all the stuff in the carriage. They don't check inside of the barrels. Are you crazy? No, but like usually they let people like strangers wander in and this guy went through all the effort of dressing up as a knight and they didn't, they, they stopped him. They're really trying in this episode. I can't even fault them. That is true. Like I'm not saying they're great. I'm just saying. Usually it's just complete incompetence. And this time I'm like, hey, look, they're doing their job. You know, you still failed, but at least you tried. I just want to give it to them because I feel like since the first 23 episodes, there's been like a meeting of all the guards downstairs with their manager. It's like, okay, guys, got to start checking who's coming through the front gate. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> got to at least ask one question. <laughs> just one. Just stop the person and ask one question. I'm going to give it to these guards that actually try because he is dressed as a knight. So you should believe that he's there because you're not going to know every night Camelot because there seem to be quite a few. We see all of them, especially in this episode. We see lots of knights walking around. Which again, I go back to like, aren't knights supposed to be special forces? Like how many knights are there? Yeah, good question. But I have to say that this was also a great plan. It's a great plan. Until Merlin wakes up, right? Merlin doesn't have a night of peace in his life, if you really bad. My notes literally say, God damn it, can Merlin get one night's sleep? <laughs> nope, he cannot. Uh, I love Merlin's face at the recognition of Mordred's voice. He's about as happy to hear this kid as I am to see him. Yes. I wrote mood, which is such a millennialism, but it is mood. That whole face is like, oh yeah, here he is. Great. This kid's back. I'm screwed. Did you expect the guy to have magic? Because you've only seen him stab a knight. I mean, how can I say this? I did not expect it. But you know what I mean. It wasn't shocking, but it wasn't like waiting for it. Right. Right. Exactly. I get it. Merlin comes whipping around a hallway. And the reason I have to point that out is because he kind of looks a little bit like a superhero. He is getting dressed as he runs. He's got like a bit of a suiting up superhero vibe right there. And he's making his way. It's kind of compelling. This whole sequence is really compelling. Them going through the castle. And then, of course, he runs into Arthur, who is, you know, 
skeptical of <laughs> I love how he's kind of proud that he did something for once. I'm like, he's constantly doing stuff. <laughs> you dummy. Yeah. Also almost strangles Merlin on the wall. And I'm like, I get the initial reaction is he thinks it's a bad guy, but then he doesn't stop. Once you figured out it's your friend, you can just put him on the floor, right? You could just like let go of his neck. <laughs> Cause I think Merlin gives one of those like <clears throat> trying to ask please let go of my neck while you can't talk. The thing that I really feel in this sequence by the time that we get to Morgana having this conversation with Alvar and Mordred is I'm already mad at her at this point. I'm not sure I have the right to be. I'm not sure that's the right reaction, but I'm annoyed <laughs> at her for entertaining this. <laughs> I mean, I'm not mad at her, but part of me is like, you're not really going to do this, right? But she is. She's going to do it. I'm going to have to take your reactions as the correct ones because mine are weighted with a lot of stuff that I can't let go of. Like I told you a long time ago, the first time Mordred showed up, I was like, I have no objectiveness about this character. I don't. And you see now why back at episode eight, a whole, what, 15 episodes ago, I was like, oh, this kid's here. And you're like, what's wrong? He's not that bad. And I'm just like, well, just you wait. Yes. It's hard to separate yourself because even just what happens to her by the end, even if I didn't tell you what happens from here to the end of the show, what happens to the end of this episode. I'm annoyed within this episode with her at the end. So I think I'm taking that annoyance and just putting it all the way back at this first scene. So I can agree with you that I get annoyed by the end of the episode, but right now I'm not yet. I just want to see where this goes. Again, I'm going to take your reaction as the correct one and mine is just being completely skewed. Of course, her hiding this from Arthur and Merlin gets Merlin yelled at. So the yelling fest starts here. Yes. Also, I'm sorry. If you know that there's an intruder in the castle, I don't care if you want to let me sweep your chambers or not. It's going to get done anyway. Like, I don't give a shit about this. I just don't know. I'm like, no. Why don't you guys just search anyway? She plays the old Morgana card that's always worked with Arthur, which is like to be so incensed by the way this is the same trick she played last time she was hiding mordred in her room yes she's so oh, how can i say this she's just so mad she's like how what you're the one bothering me there's nobody in my room i just can't believe he falls for the same thing with the same person hiding in her room and then yells at merlin which i'm like okay you can do that but annoying because you're wrong yeah and Asa Butterfield is so good in this episode just because he gives little smiles throughout the episode that I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you're scary. <laughs> Poor kid. He smiles and you're like, oh, no. I mean, not because of the kid, not because of him actor, just because of the character. I know. Again, if I'm annoyed at you or I hate you when you're acting like this character, it's because you're doing a good job. You know, it's a very yeah, well like done. It. But yes, this trick is worked too many times on Arthur and I feel like I'm I'm frustrated with him that it's worked again. Yes. I also want to go back just one minute for before Arthur goes into Morgana's chamber and Merlin says, I've heard voices in my chambers <laughs> because he quickly realizes that he can't say that the voices are in his head. Like <laughs> good catch there. Yeah, there is a theme running through this episode with that as well, with Merlin and Gaius. This is the first episode 
Mind you, we're 24 episodes into the show. That gives a signal that Merlin and Gaius have finally really learned the lesson of how to talk to Uther and Arthur to get them to react the way they need them to without telling them what's actually happening. <laughs> it took long enough. I'm like, you guys couldn't figure it out that you could do this earlier? Yeah. It happens over and over in this episode. It's literally the first time that they're like, I'm going to give you just enough information without totally lying so that you do what you need to do. Also, Alfred does a great job, I think, on that bedroom scene of just putting the responsibility of saving magic on Morgana's hands. And she's desperate because she doesn't... She's like, I'm, I just live pretending I live in fear. And yeah, why don't we just end this? So at this point, when she says, I will help, I am kind of annoyed because she's only thinking of herself. And that's what annoys me. She's not considering the impact that that will have in all of the people of Camelot that has nothing to do with anything. And all of the friends that she has there that are not Uther. Yes, except it's not exactly just herself, because what Alvar is doing here is pretty genius in the sense of he's using the best manipulation you have on all of Morgana's life, and that is this kid. She's overly attached to Mordred, and he's totally using this. It's not an excuse. She's making a dumb decision that's selfish and also getting Arthur and Merlin to trouble, because it's not like she doesn't know that if she steals the keys, steals this artifact, and then runs out, that they're not going to get blamed for it. Yeah. I love how everyone deflects, by the way, because this time at least she took all the keys instead of knowingly just taking one key from Arthur's room, which if you remember last time she snuck in there and stole a key. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> I was like, how did you know which one? This time she stole all the keys. But again, Morgana stealing shit from Arthur and going on her own little quest against Uther. This is the second time and it's the second time she's made a shitty judgment call as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. No one here on this podcast really agrees with Uther ever. But Morgana has terrible judgment as far as I'm concerned. And when she gets emotionally attached to something, which in this case is Mordred, that's, it clouds her judgment to everything else. And she just, she has one direction and it's forward and she's not looking back or to the sides to see what hap what's happening. How mad are you at Morgana in this scene where she lies to Merlin's face and you have to see Merlin hurt like that? Because Colin Morgan plays this very subtle, but it, it comes through so clearly that he's like, what are you doing? I, I'm like the nerve they have to first just make up a, a bad lie like that. To the person who sent you to the Druids in the first place. Yes. And obviously Merlin knows. He has to pretend that he doesn't know because also he doesn't have any proof and he can't be like, oh, let me search you. It's not a possibility. Yeah, and it's really shitty of her to someone who's been rather nice to her. And listened when she needed, helped her when she had no option. And she's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, not liking her in this scene even more. And then this is where we get into the soup scene, okay? I'm not going to argue in favor of this scene. It doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> I'm glad the producer doesn't like it because my biggest question becomes, what, now they don't have a cook in the castle? Merlin is making Arthur's dinner? On what planet? Oh my God. I, I have so many questions about this and about something later because it's like, no, it's not Merlin's job to do all of these things that you guys say that it's his job. His job is simpler than that. And I'm sure because you have other people who can do that, those other jobs. 
Also, this is what the director referred to as the lighter scene of the episode, but it didn't give us anything that we've been getting the last few episodes, which is a lot of Merlin, Arthur banter. It wasn't banter. It was just annoying. I, at the end of this scene, what I asked myself is, why is this even here? Exactly. It really didn't do anything. It didn't advance the story and it didn't make me happy. So why is it even here? Wait, if you're not going to advance the story, at least give me some feeling comedy relief something exactly because that's a purpose if you're not driving the story forward at least give me comedic relief or something yeah because the episode is paced well but this scene is the one that stands out it's like what i also wrote like arthur is so touchy what's going on with him and then of course when they go discover what's happening he gets even crankier about it's your job to make sure my room is locked like there's no guards in the place what do you it's not his job to make your what is he supposed to stand there and check the door all day long so that's my beef with this it's your job to make sure that my room is locked no it is not you have guards for that how can merlin guard your bedroom door and then be with you at all times of the day serving you helping you with your horse helping you with your training helping you get dressed help you get undressed cook your food <laughs> no it's it's definitely not his responsibility and i'm like it's just not true. I think Arthur is just cranky and wants to blame somebody else for his fuck up because he knows he's about to get his ass handed to him by Uther. I think so too. But I just have to mention something that I appreciate the attention to detail that when Morgana goes and retrieves the crystal, you can see that around the crystal when she takes the crystal out of the pillow, there's dust. Mm-hmm. And then underneath the crystal, the pillow is very bright red, as if it had been there for the last 20 years, not moved by anyone. And I'm like, this makes me so happy. I love that you love that. And I also love this this entire set, because set deck has once again changed our courtroom. Yes. Because now I'm looking for it. Now that I know it's the library in the court, I'm like trying to spot it when they dress it as something else. And when I saw this scene, I wondered, but I couldn't really be sure. And then in the commentary, they mentioned it. I was like, yeah, it's that room. They're really good. When you get a really good team, you can really just make that room anything. Right. With our hands, Arthur's asked to him about the crystal getting stolen. I, for a second, because I couldn't remember this that well, was wondering if he was about to sell out Merlin. This is the nicer Arthur moment of the episode, I feel like, because there was a time when he let Merlin take the fall for him very easily. Also... I feel like if he was really Merlin's job, he's standing right there. Uther would yell at him. It's not his job. It's not, but I think he could easily have said it was his job. But I think he knows Merlin's going to get in a lot more trouble than him. He's just going to get his dad saying he's disappointed in him. And Merlin's going to get like put in the dungeon. Yeah. But then at this point in my notes, Uther asks someone like got into your room and got the keys. How is it possible? I'm like, you have terrible security. That's how it's possible. <laughs> this time it's not, though, because who's going to stop Morgana? As we learn later, nobody. I guess. She pops in there whenever she wants to yell at Arthur. <laughs> Whatever, that's true. But then that's the question he should be asking. Did the guards fuck up? Or is it someone that we know? <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, that's the right question to be asking, actually. Well, if only I lived in Camelot, things would go a lot smoother, but I don't. <laughs> If anyone wants to insert my character into this fictitious <laughs> world, then I'll just be like the voice of reason in the corner. We would have one episode. <laughs> Sonia would just solve everything and then we'd be done. No need. But what we needed in this scene was Sir Leon. Where is he? He's the voice of reason in this crew. Where has he been the last two episodes? We need him standing next to Uther being like, hey, by the way, 
Is it possible that it's someone in the castle? Poor thing. We need him back wherever he went. Gaius and Merlin have their little chat where, you know, basically it's just an info download from Gaius's wise brain who then ends on the perfect Gaius note of, I don't know anymore, go ask somebody else who does, which he's more cryptic about talking about the dragon than he is about shouting about magic all over the castle. It just prompted me to write on my notes, dragon time, two exclamation points, all caps. I wrote, and dragon time. I mean, he's cranky too, the fucker. Everyone is extra cranky in this episode. This is what I mean. He's on another level here. He really is. The thing is, is that please like refresh my memory. When he told Merlin, you have to promise that you're going to release me. Did he say when the time comes? Did he say at a specific time? He just said, you have to promise that you let me go. You live for a thousand years. It's not like, you know, a couple of years more is going to hurt you. Also, I'll free you when I free you. But did he say something? No. Was there any specific time? There wasn't like a deadline, <laughs> like by the 30th. Of I don't remember the fine line of the terms of this deal. Again, Merlin fans, you can correct me on Instagram or Twitter now. As far as I remember it, no. There wasn't. It was just a general you have to free me. This is kind of like, be careful the deal you make because he could free you in 80 years and still have kept his end of the deal. Up. I almost remember that maybe he said... When the time comes, you will free me. The time didn't come. You're not free. There you go. Also, that would insinuate when Albion is here, where we, when you've reached your destiny, you'll free me. That's how I would read that agreement. So that's how I read it because there must, I don't know why this is in my head. So it must be because it was probably some kind of a line. Maybe I'm just bugging out, but that's what I remember from this deal that he said, when the time comes, you will release me. It's very vague. And it's like, what time comes? When you feel like it or when I'm ready to or when it's actually time for you to be released when magic is back and you're not going to be hunted? Why would you want to leave right now? But that's my question. He's actually safer down there than he is outside. <laughs> that's my question. Magic is still very much illegal. I don't know why you would want to get out. Just don't know. I don't know. I just find him not the fun kind of bitchy in this scene. And he does kind of get the answer from Merlin of, I'll free you when I free you, okay? Yeah. So then he goes on a rant of like, well, the witch this and Mordred that and we get the united and evil prophecy. This is one of the few times where he details where he got the information, by the way. It's not my information. I heard a prophecy. Yes. He's also kind of annoyed with Merlin because he says, I told you that this kid was going to be back, that it was going to be a problem. And you didn't listen to me, and now he's back and it's a problem. To Merlin's credit, he really tried to listen. And by the way, this episode ends in the exact same goddamn way. You know how Mordred made it happen? By screaming in his head that night. Yep, it's true. You know, you people have to stop doing that. <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> he tried to get the kid killed. He really did. He really did. I don't even need him to get into it with the dragon. Like, just give me the information and let's go. And he did at the end of the day. Yeah, reluctantly. It was just another example of how everyone's on edge in this episode. Everyone's written on edge for some reason and acting on edge. I would agree with that. And now Morgana is snapping Gwen's face off, which at this point I'm like, go to hell. <laughs> this, this scene I think was the one that made me the most mad because it was just so rude. To Gwen. So rude. Who's nicer and more helpful than Gwen? I have to say that one day I want to have Gwen's maturity to not take things personally, like just like that. 
just leave and go live my life in peace. Then come back and be like, yep, that was not about me. That was all about you. She would be right. It's never about you. But still, Morgana is, to me, very unlikable in this moment. She really is. She really, really is. I'm sorry to everyone listening who loves Morgana and is just mad at me. It's just very hard to like her in this episode. Especially in this moment. I don't like her in this moment. I don't care if I like her as a character. She's very rude. I at least love her style when she runs off with the crystal. And, you know, she's she's holding the crystal in her room. It's definitely got this magical draw on magical people. It's very Lord of the Rings vibes, which I love. I love. The whole sequence. Because what happens next is just I'm ecstatic to see someone riding a horse in a cloak anytime and then we've got merlin on his horse which we get snoopy merles on horseback that's talent pretty good it's hard to sneak around on a horse because your horse has to be sneaky too and i do love merlin's horse it's a very cute horse it's a classic morgana's in her cape running around in the forest at night merlin's following her it's fantastic it's what we're here for right now we're basically on their territory she's brought them the crystal and alvar is i don't know what with morgana like what's happening here he's just playing her obviously and before his girlfriend came in to talk to him at the end of all of this emiria yeah played by emily beechin before she even comes in i'm like he's just lying he's just playing her and when she almost kissed him i was like oh my god what are you doing yeah, that's why I think she's less likable to me than others in this episode. It's because it's two things I don't like. Being mean and snippy and bad to your friends, but also being the kind of jackass who gets played by this moron. I'm like, at least, come on, like, do it for a good reason. Like, you're just getting played by this dude. Yes, and that that part, that part makes me really mad. Really? You're that dumb to not understand that? People are just playing on your, your access to Uther and they know how you feel. They know how you feel about yourself and about magic and that you're not really happy there. Yeah, it's not, it's not fun for me to watch someone get played easily because it makes them hard to have, I don't know, to root for them in any way. I'm like, well, at least do it for a reason that's yours. Now you're just yeah. getting used by somebody and it's not an attractive quality in a character. Okay, great. This guy. That's You're going to give up everybody in Camelot for this guy. Cool. Cool. That's also, that, that part really gets to me. That you would trade the love of your friends, of people that you really trust, and they were by your side for years now. Yeah, she hasn't even attempted to go to Arthur with her real problems. He would probably help her. He's gotten her out of the dungeon but you're trading that for a person that you don't even know. This person walked into your room in the middle of the night and told you to do something. And now you're doing it and putting everyone at risk. Yeah, it's hard to root for her in this circumstance. It really is. It really is. I know that they talked about it in the commentary about the motivations and it being more than being the motivation and kind of really trying to play the side of why someone would do this. And make it understandable, but it's really hard for me. It's really hard for me to get there. Oh, no. I understand why she's doing it. I just don't like it. I totally understand her motivation. Yeah, it's not like you and I are on Uther's side. Definitely not. And I understand. I understand the motivation of feeling out of place, of wanting to change things, of not knowing a way out. And this being presented with a way out. 
this is our way out if you help us. Okay, then I'm going to help you because the way that you tell me, you're going to make this place a better place because magic won't be a crime anymore. I understand all that. I just don't like it because she's too quick to trust other people that come out of nowhere. And that is just unwise. I don't know why she would choose to do that. I guess she's really desperate and I that I can understand also. But it annoys me that she trusts this guy so much. I agree. I think I can understand this all intellectually. But on an emotional level, I'm annoyed. <laughs> Especially because it's, it's always operating against Merlin. And that's frustrating. Yes. Here we see Gaia's by the way, actually pull off the clever version of how to talk to Uther. Yes. Tell him just enough. Tell him you heard through the grapevine and send off the knights. Well, he tells us also that he knows about Alvar, that he's a fanatic, and that he has supporters who will follow him unthinkingly. Yeah, that made him way less likable. The second guy has talked about him the first time, I was like, oh God, I don't like this guy at all. Definitely. Definitely. And Uther is thankful. Once again, I'm indebted to you. What? Also, very reasonable, Uther. Tell me who told you this. No, I have to preserve his identity because, you know, the word travels fast and they would kill him. Uther's like, yep, okay. <laughs> In the past, he was like, you ate at this restaurant, die! <laughs> if he knows, he must be evil too. Yeah, no, Uther is kind of, there are more than one time in this episode that I'm like, I'm kind of a little bit on his side. I think he's so scared about what this crystal can do because he doesn't know. When he explains about the crystal, he only says, the crystal has magic. Many people died trying to protect it. Whatever it is, is important. And that's, where, that's the extent of his knowledge on this crystal. I'm deducing by how many people died to keep me from having it that I should have it. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm like... You didn't even go research what it does? I mean, it's Uther. Does he ever research anything? <laughs> I guess not. But, you know, I think he's just so scared that he's willing to just take Ayos's word and take any leads to go and find this crystal because he has nothing now. Until now, he has nothing. I'm happy because it leads to one of my favorite things in this episode, which is just a lot of sequences of people riding through beautiful scenery and like galloping with cloaks and the knights. Watching the knights and guards all storm out of Camelot is so impressive to me <laughs> that I'm just, I'm here for this whole questy feel of everyone riding out into the forest. I love the scene. I also love Morgana's white dress. Oh, it's epic. It's so good. You know what? We do get one light scene because this is where they're kind of back. Arthur and Merlin are riding along with half of, you know, the people in Camelot behind them. Yes. This is where we get their familiar banter where they're just needling each other. And Arthur is basically saying, like, I don't know why I bring you to these things. You're always scared. He's like, I'm not scared. <laughs> he says, you are scared because if you weren't scared, you'd be talking rubbish like you usually do. Which is, we're back to the Arthur who is always telling Merlin to shut up, but the second Merlin is quiet, he's like, why aren't you talking? Yep. Arthur gets really nervous, and then he goes to Merlin, you're nervous, but actually, it's himself. I love this scene so much. This is the moment of levity again, the whole thing. I think it's the only, it's the only moment that feels really light. Yeah. And kind of back to normal. 
It does. It feels like regularly scheduled programming between the two of them. He's not yelling yeah. at him, although he yells at him incessantly right after because Merlin dismounts his horse to try to figure out which way to go. I kind of love the way this was done where Merlin's in the flow of using his powers and he's completely blocking out Arthur, who in the background is screaming, screaming his name. Oh my God. So funny. Also, before all of this, Morgana rode alone to let them know that the knights were coming because she couldn't just stay in her chambers and be quiet. No, she has to ride out. No one's noticed, by the way. This girl like goes to the toilet for too long and everyone's sending out the guards to find her, but <laughs> she rides out <laughs> to warn these guys and no one's noticed that she's left the castle. You're telling me everyone left Camelot? Arthur's gone? Uther's back at the castle? He hasn't gone looking for Morgana because he's bored and lonely? Well, she says when she warns Alvar that she has to go back because Camelot is waking. So what I feel is that she did all her duties of like having dinner and bathing and sending Gwen home. And then she left after. But then I get to the point of the guards again. I'm still with the guards in this episode. But as you said, nobody's going to stop Morgana. So yeah, they wouldn't stop her anyway. No, she can do whatever she wants. So her plan was to leave after dinner, come back before everyone wakes up, and just not be noticed. And I, it worked. I guess. But whatever. She's the worst because she goes to warn them. Yeah, that was my point in the first place, by the way. I know. I'm supposed to care that she cares about Mordred, but I don't like Mordred. So I don't like that she cares about Mordred, you see? That's the flaw here, is that I'm supposed to buy her motherly tendency towards this kid as her motivation, which I do. I'm not saying I don't buy it. I do get it. But it doesn't feel good to me because I don't like him. And I'll get more reason not to like him in just a minute. Because Merlin does his awesome little trick with the footprints to shut Arthur up. And again, I think Merlin and Gaius are getting better at this whole dealing with Arthur and Uther thing. Yes, he figures out a way, a physical way, to explain the voices in his head, which is very smart. So clever. You have to show evidence. And there's plenty of it. So we get to the battle scene. Well, they get there and there's no one there anymore. They're not here anymore. And Merlin replies with, yes, they are. And that second the arrow shoots by. So well done. Beautiful. So good. So good. Such a fun little shot where I'm like, yes, adventure. This is where I ask the same thing I always ask. These people are sword fighting knights. And I'm like, aren't you sorcerers? Why is Alvar having a sword fight? I mean, the story that I made up in my head. <laughs> We're going to go there again. We have to, because you have to explain this to me. <laughs> you have followers. Not everyone is an amazing sorcerer as Merlin. Some people have a little bit of magic and have to train a lot. Not every sorcerer knows all of the spells. So sometimes when you're not a very trained sorcerer, you have to fight with a sword. Yes, I love it. I agree I've come to the same conclusion for all the other people there. But what is Alvar doing? He's strong enough. So yeah, that part confuses me because in my head, obviously he is the leader of this group because he is the strongest sorcerer. So people look up to him. People are trying to get stronger. So I understand the group just being weaker in general and having to fight with a sword. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If he doesn't want to really expose himself, if he survives, that's also something that I thought in my head. 
he doesn't want to use magic until like if it's life or death he probably would but he is probably a good good at fighting with a sword and he would rather do that it just would be better for him for people not if he survives that people don't know that he has magic just that he is a person Gaius knows that he's a sorcerer so I don't know how fast the word is spreading but you know I'll just say that the person who proves my point is Mordred who's like nah well I'm just gonna kill these two with magic yeah you know what Mordred F you <laughs> he gives us his little like I'll never forgive you for this Emerus Yes, I'll never forgive you or forget. He's never going to forget what he did. Okay, kid, bye. Just go away. Okay. I also learned from the commentary that Emrys is the Welsh name for Merlin. Oh, that's cool. It is cool. What's not cool is that whole little like, I'm never going to forgive you. Okay, well, you're, you know, a evil little kid as far as I'm concerned because the dragon keeps screaming that you're evil. You keep giving creepy looks. Like, this is the second time you've magicked out on some guards. Yeah. It's like, we never even know they're going to survive. Shh, shut up. Okay, I'm sorry, everybody, because there are kind of Mordred fans out there, so I'm going to do this and say... What? There have to be. I saw polls on someone's Instagram where they did the yes or no, do you like this character of every character in Merlin? <laughs> and I was shocked at some of the results. Like, I would have bet that people 100% liked Gwen, and they did not. Your face right now. <laughs> I know. Her eyes just bugged out. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. These polls are wrong. That's what I have to say. Yeah, because some people like Mordred. And I was like, what? Look, I get Mord I get Mordred more than I get Morgana, by the way, because he's been hunted, literally, for a long time. Poor kid. I feel bad for him. He almost died once. And Morgana saved him. I get him more than I get other characters, but I'm mad at him. You know, I always have to frame this show from who am I rooting for? Merlin. So if you're anti-Merlin, you're not okay in my book. That's what this episode is for me. It's, listen, if you're going to cross Merlin, you are on the other side of this fence. You're not on my side. Because who am I rooting for? Merlin and Arthur. Well, yeah, because if you're anti-Merlin and you win, then the show ends. <laughs> so I'm not rooting for you. It's kind of obvious, everyone. I mean, the show's called Merlin. If you're not rooting for Merlin, you're watching the wrong show because it's called Merlin. <laughs> if the show were called Morgana... <laughs> This would be a different scene. I agree. Anyways. Creepy kid, just go run into the forest. I can't take you anymore. Bye, Mordred. The lighting in this forest is epic. So good. And I'm like 90% sure. Natural. Natural. Only good for like 35 minutes. You get one take of that. It either works or it doesn't, you know? And nighttime, by the way, in this scene, I don't know if I missed it because I was writing notes. I didn't even understand that they captured Alvar. I only found out later. I'm like, oh, we took him with us. But what we get here is Grouchy Merlin, who's in a really bad mood. He's having a hard time. So everyone's grouchy. But poor thing. Well, he just, he doesn't like that crystal. It makes him uncomfortable. Because it's calling to him, right? Yes. It's like the one ring. Guys, if you don't make a strong comparison to Lord of the Rings, I don't know what you're doing. Go, don't fin stop <laughs> listening to this episode as Sonia usually tells you to. After you finish listening to this episode of our podcast, you go and watch Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's only 12 hours of movies. <laughs> I think the extended version is over 15 hours. Cool. I recently rewatched it. I don't know. Get a synopsis on YouTube. No, they should watch it. It's a classic, but it is calling to him. I, Arthur is so mean in this scene where he's like, well, I can't guard it while I'm sleeping. And he's like, neither can I. And Arthur says... 
who said anything about you sleeping? And I'm like, no, Merlin stays awake again. Yeah, I was, what I wrote in my notes is, uh, Arthur, if you only knew, the kid hasn't slept in a year, <laughs> okay? There are entire episodes where he doesn't get a single night's sleep. You just have to hope that between stories when normal Camelot's happening, you know, the day-to-day of boring stuff between adventures that he's sleeping a lot. Yeah, he's taking naps. But he can't help it. And he looks at the crystal. I'm going to just point out this was before Game of Thrones. Okay. I don't, I don't want any Game of Thrones fans saying anything to me ever. <laughs> Look, I watched this scene. I knew what he would see because I remember what he saw. And I thought of you only. Because my only question is, how do you feel about the dragon now that you've seen this future? Literally, I looked at the crystal and I'm like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you've decided that... It is not. I've decided that it's not. Look, Gaius agrees with me at the end of this episode. We'll get there. But, you know. That's the biggest conversation of this whole episode, actually, is how does destiny and fate work? And then there's the difference between destiny and fate. Yes. But okay. We see the dragon burning Camelot. We see Merlin crying a lot. Oh, poor baby Merle. But it looks over dead bodies, maybe, of people that he loved. It's not good. It's not a good future. Definitely not good, and it makes him really upset. Also, I'm going to have to give it again to Quali Morgan, acting to nothing. Yeah, he's just looking at a rock. <laughs> looking at a rock on his lap, and then having all the emotions, because he saw the future. Man, he works hard, and he's got talent. What can you say? Amazing. Amazing. It gets more amazing than that. But anyway, Alvar gets sentenced to death, and Uther is just so proud of himself after this. Although, it was really funny. The director talked about them talking about how to play this scene. She said, for this guy, you're sentencing him to death. You killed his family. It's a big deal for you. It's a Tuesday. And he does kind of play it like that. <laughs> it's just another day in Camelot. He really does. He's like, ugh, whatever. Get out of my face. <laughs> He's like, done with that. What's next? Yes, when the guy starts saying, magic is not a crime. You're the criminal. He's like, ugh, just take him away. Go. Just go. You're done. Tell me something I haven't heard. <laughs> You're done. Bye. Uther looks a little proud. Like it's a Tuesday, but he's a little proud like he did his job. Merlin looks uh, stressed. And Morgana, I don't know, she looks totally cool and stable. By which I mean she looks psychotic. <laughs> For those of you who can't read my sarcasm over this podcast, she looks absolutely insane. <laughs> good job to Katie McGrath. Very good job. And then everyone is walking out of the room. And she stops in front of the doors and she orders the guards to close it. And I literally wrote on my notes, oh, shit. <laughs> it's a showdown. She is about to go down here. Yeah, it is. I was like, what is going to happen? I mean, here's the thing about this argument, by the way. Morgana, technically right. But I found myself during the scene being like, he's kind of right. You're going overboard. Do you want to chill out a second? I was a little bit on Uther's side where I was like, hey, do you want to take it down a couple notches? Because to him, you sound like a crazy person. You know, it's hard because this whole entire episode for me, I grew at this like for Morgana in this specific episode. So it's also hard for me to side with her at the end because before when she was defying Uther, I was like, yes, you tell him, you let him know what he is. And here I'm like, Ugh, I I don't disagree with her, but I don't know. I can't be 100% on her side. I, can't, I don't find myself being 100% on her side. She calls him an arrogant fool. 
she tells him from this day forward i do not know you from this day forward i disown you and he says you go to your chambers and she says which is one of the best lines of the episode for me and you there you go to hell which is so great it's great it's pretty epic it's epic but it's crazy because i do yes any other episode i'm right there with her i'm on Morgana's side, she's right. Uther's the worst. But in this argument, I did not feel that way. But I, when she asked him to go to hell, I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm glad that you did that. He deserves it, this reaction. And none of what she's saying is wrong. Nothing. But I'm having a hard time siding with her. I'm having a hard time siding with her because I know that she will go on to do things that might hurt people that we love. Is that how you feel now? That's the only reason. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, definitely. So you see it coming now. That's what I'm, I'm I said that this was a setup for horrible things there to come. So you meant Morgana. That's I said what I said. <laughs> I said what I said, Sonia. But I didn't know you meant Morgana because I've never heard you yeah. feel that way about her because she's usually very sweet. She is. But you know, it's that thing like we've talked we talked outside of this podcast obviously about like shadow work mm -hmm. when you stuff things away inside of you and you ignore them or you hide them one day they will take control of you and this is it this is that moment <laughs> we're here we have arrived yes it's also really hard to side with her here because technically she's not talking about magic she's protecting alvar who we don't like <laughs> that also is an obstacle for me because you're defending this man that you know nothing about and he is playing you and you're an idiot yeah you're being an idiot because she's not going to uther begging for someone's life who's so good and we should like and you know they didn't do anything wrong he's a jerk we don't like him and i feel for uther a little bit even because you know he's not hurting anyone she has a relationship as, with as far as he knows so he's genuinely hurt when she just starts screaming at him yes not that I side with Uther ever because we side with Merlin. <laughs> no, but you can, it's amazing. Yes, but it's amazing. You can see Anthony Head obviously is a great actor and you can see the surprise on his face to hear that and the hurt that he's feeling from hearing that from Morgana. Obviously, he's, he doesn't know about all her struggles. So I do understand where it's coming from with her. Right. Hating herself, the struggle with her own magic. This guy that she looks up to because he's telling her magic is good. All her motivations check the boxes and make me want to side with her, but I don't <laughs> at the end. And we'll get to the end why I really don't side with her. But, you know, at least we get a Merlin and Gaius dinner time, but it's very different than what we're used to. It is. Gaius is very comforting because Merlin is clearly very sad. He confesses that he's looked at the crystal and he's seen something terrible. And Gaius reassures him that it's your choices that make the future, that that's, you're just seeing one possible outcome. So it doesn't have to happen. I love, there's one line that I love here that he says, there is nothing on this earth that can know all possible futures. And I think that that's so poetic because sometimes we forget that there are so many open roads and possibilities that when we choose one, we close the door to a million other ones were possible in a million other futures that we are never going to know mm -hmm. and it's that is a me it's amazing to me i love thinking about that it's like sad and amazing at the same time and guys is so great because merlin said it felt really real 
it was like what I saw felt really real. And Gaia said it was real, but it was just one reality. Mm -hmm. It was one of the many possibilities. The future is yet unshaped and it is us that shape it. It's you, Merlin, the decisions you make and the actions you take. It is the difference between fate and destiny. Destiny is something you can take a step towards and fate is something you're helpless to help stop. So this shows a lot about destiny, right? It's your destiny, but you can refuse it. Fate, you can't. You're stuck and too bad if you don't want it. So you you think he's going to stop this from happening? I think that's going to be part of what he has to accomplish now. Is stop the dragon from burning down Camelot or preventing? So I don't know with the dragon because for me, thinking about all the possible futures of Camelot, I hope that there's one future where the dragon leaves and he doesn't want to burn down Camelot. I mean, we all do. And that's the future that I want. So I'm rooting for that one. I'm like leaving the other ones on the side for now. Yeah. But it is now a very real motivation because the, the dragon has already expressed his displeasure in this episode with not being released. And now Merlin's really not going to want to release it. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a, that's a big obstacle. I think that also that's why they wrote the dragon like that and so naggy like that in this episode to remind us to make this contrast of, I want to get out. You saw something. You're not going to want to let me out. Right. He already was not so certain about what the motivation was to want to get out so badly, right? Yes. He's already questioned it in the past. And now that he's seen that, he's not going to want to do it at all. Because there's a real reason why the dragon refused to answer that in prior episodes. Like, you don't have to worry about what I want to do, kid. It's my business. And now it's like, well, he, now I've seen kind of what you want to do. <laughs> I'm not going to let you out. Yeah. Because I don't think Gaius knows about this deal. No. That's what's really weighing on Merlin, right? It's like, yeah, okay, you can tell me it's fine, but you don't know that the dragon literally, like, now is not going to leave me alone. Well, he doesn't tell Gaius specifically what he saw either. He just says, I saw terrible things. He doesn't say, I saw the dragon out and burning Camelot down. And the dragon made me promise that I would release him at some point. He doesn't explain any of this. I kind of do love this. And you know, I don't like bad communication in shows or in real life. But I kind of love that there's never a lot of pressure from Gaius to know everything. He lets Merlin be the judge of what he can and cannot tell him. I said that I've loved that in the past and I continue to love it. He gives Merlin space to speak or not speak when he needs it there have been episodes that merlin said you just have to trust me and he said yes i trust you or i have to figure this out on my own yes i'm sure that you're going to figure this out on your own do whatever you have to do like i believe that you're gonna do the right thing well that is trust this is real trust the person doesn't tell you the whole thing and you trust their judgment and keeping it to themselves because it's their own thing they have to figure out now we get to this amazing acting because I can't handle it. Who else can sit at a table alone eating soup in a rather wide shot, to be honest, and convey this much emotion about what they're processing while picking up a spoon? Yeah. This is the soup scene you like. <laughs> this is, the, that's the, when we were talking about soup scene in the beginning, I thought that this was the soup scene you were talking about. Yeah. I do like this one. I like the whole scene, but it really is a lot when Gaius walks off and he's there left alone with his soup. It is a lot. I don't blame him. I think it's very well acted because he could just sit there and like start eating, right? Yes, it's amazing. 
Anyway, Morgana gets Gwen to pass her her sleepy time medicine. And they talked about it in the commentary about how there's a wall between them now. There's something like not quite the way it used to be. There's a distance. Yeah, definitely. They're never going to be as close because now there's something there. No, because now the moment that Morgana started hiding all of this and having an action with like a background motivation that Gwen doesn't know, that already breaks their relationship. Because mm-hmm. you can't fully know them. It's the, it's different from what's going on with Gaius and Merlin, right? It's like, I trust you not, not to have to tell me everything, but this is like, you don't tell me anything. And now I don't know who you are anymore. Mm-hmm. Because she's been cut off from who Morgana's becoming as a person. It's kind of sad. Okay, this is the thing. She goes to the guards. They tell her no. And she rebuffs them. with Again, I'm proud of them. They tried to stop her. But what are they going to say to Morgana? She says, she insists. And they're like, you're right. She has a pass with all of the guards. So there's nothing that you can say here. Yeah, because can you imagine how long it's been in the castle that if Morgana went to Uther yelling, like, the guards stopped me from doing something, they probably beheaded the guard. (laughs) Yeah. They don't know that she's fighting with Uther. They just know that Uther likes her better than everyone and they don't want to cross her. That is very true. So I'm with the guards on this one and I feel bad that they get drugged. She goes and basically like codedly tells Alvar that she's cleared the path for him to leave. You look so happy. (laughs) Yeah, but oh my God. She's like, oh, like blah, 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 blah. I'm like, he's playing you. He doesn't like you. Get out. Stop doing this. You're annoying me. Yeah, I wrote. Morgana, you idiot. All caps, idiot. (laughs) He doesn't give a shit about you. (laughs) No, he really doesn't. Also, I told you, you can't lock up a sorcerer. When he opened that jail cell, I thought of you immediately. I'm like, ugh, we're going to have to talk about this, (laughs) won't we? I'm sorry, but come on. I understand. I explained my backstory in the beginning of this podcast, so... It's the futility of putting someone with magical powers in a cell. Like, what's the point? Just kill him, by the way. Just kill him when you have him down on the ground in the court. Like, why are you putting him in the cell for the night? Just kill him right there. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, he was on his knees. You could just stick him with a sword. He's still human. Like, he's still going to die. Yeah. There was an opportune moment to get this guy dead, and they didn't, and now he's gone. <laughs> you missed your opportunity, Camelot. So, of course, the bells ring because the prisoners escaped. He kills the guard. It's terrible. Uther. Uther yells in the court, how has he escaped? Again, uh, magic. Well, I guess that what he's really asking is how did he pass through all the guards? Well, you answer that one then. How did he pass through all the guards, Mila? <laughs> they accept wine from anyone. They let Morgana get go anywhere that she wants. They better be dead because they're going to tell him that she drugged their wine. But he knows. This scene is very interesting because he knows. And he gives a speech about whoever let them out has betrayed Camelot and he's looking at Morgana. So this scene was super interesting because I... It gives us all the indications that he knows. Oh, he knows. He's heartbroken. Look at Anthony Head's face. He's playing the heartbreak while just he's playing against his own heartache. So what are you going to do? He's stuck. He loves her. Like you're not going to really. Yeah, you're not. He's not going to really hurt Morgana. Well, that's why he gives a speech. It's actually heartbreaking for me on Uther's behalf, this scene. And he plays the heartbreak very well because he's giving the speech knowing that he can't do anything. And he won't tell anyone either. Yes. Everyone knows except Arthur, okay? (laughs) I guess Gwen doesn't know either, but Gwen's not really involved in this. Merlin and Gaius know. (laughs) Uther knows. Arthur is just clueless. As per usual. As per usual, but it is, 
like Anthony Head plays the heartbreak through giving a speech, like trying to swallow his own tears, right? He's so mad. He's so mad and he's so hurt. Mm-hmm. He's so hurt that he, that she would go behind his back and do something like this. Listen, I've been in a moment of betrayal where I had to swallow my own words because it was a, just like a public situation and it's just it's painful. Yes. I do feel bad for him. Me too. It's a hard to pull off. Good job, Morgan. <laughs> yeah. You finally did it. I mean, there's all the looks. And Merlin's face. I mean, oh my God. Obviously. Where, how do you, like, what do you, what do you leave off with Morgana here? Like, I guess you've already said she's gone bad. That's what I get from the end of this episode. For me, there was just a flip that I don't know how she could flip back. I don't see how. Especially because it's her behavior like that is not just towards Uther. It seems like it's towards everyone around her, including Gwen, who is her best friend. Yeah. So it's not that she is just mad at Uther and she's doing this to hurt Uther. She She's becoming somebody different. And I don't think that she's becoming a good person. She hasn't made stellar choices in this episode or anything. That's where I leave it for now. I mean, with this look that he gives her, I feel like it's a there's a line in the in the sand, and it's now her and Merlin on opposite sides. Yes, because he doesn't trust her anymore. No, he trusted her before. Until three days ago, he was like helping her out, and he was more than happy to help her out to send her to somebody who could help her with her magic. She, he defended her to Gaius saying you have to tell her the truth like she deserves because she's alone. I understand what it is to be alone. I understand what it is to feel like this. And now it's just not the same. He doesn't trust her and he can see that she flipped. Well, it's like the crystal, right? The crystal, what he saw in the crystal is made worse by the fact that the dragon wouldn't answer why he wanted to leave now and what his plans were. This is a moment where Merlin's been told over and over again that Morgana is bad. By the dragon and there's a prophecy more destiny coming at you and he's just witnessed a side of her that is like yeah in the episode where he gets the prophecy he gets to see mordred threaten him and morgana do something bad yeah so it's one thing to hear the prophecy but then to immediately have it mirrored to you by the people who are in it that's extra hard and then we finish this episode with merlin not having a night of peace in his life I'm like, you can just shut up now. We understand that you want to come out. He already promised. Go to sleep. I don't know what you're doing awake. Leave, leave the boy alone. I wrote, telepathic sleep deprivation? F you. <laughs> that is torture. Literally torture. He's torturing him. He's like, by the way, this is the shit Mordred pulled <laughs> to stay alive last time. So everyone can go to hell with this trick. I look what an invasion to have someone scream your name in your head while you're trying to sleep hello no no I'm like just shh be quiet and wait for your turn I said this once before on the podcast you should go down there wait for the dragon to fall asleep and then just pelt rocks at him while he's trying to sleep because god you should just go down there when the dragon is asleep just go down there and be like dragon <laughs> dragon <laughs> what can I say I'm excited to see where this goes for you because well it's not going it's not getting any better i said it next week on merlin fire <laughs> there is fire then i wrote death nights dead nights <laughs> gwen uther and gaius asleep morgos is back 
Yes. After I saw Gwen Uther and guys, I'm like, maybe everyone is asleep, which is I'm glad to see in Merlin because it's one of the scenes of um, Sleeping Beauty. Mm. Uh, and Sleeping Beauty is my favorite princess of Disney. I and know I love that scene in the animation. I love it. It's such a beautifully done scene. And hopefully it's just as well put together here. A lot of sleeping in the next episode. Who's not asleep, though? I'm interested. That's the trick. Guys and Merlin are not asleep. No, guys is asleep. Merlin's not asleep. Arthur is not asleep. Mm-hmm. I will say I forgot to tell you in this episode that Katie McGrath said she was really scared when she goes to do the scene to steal the crystal. And she's holding the torch. She was like, that was really hot. And I had a lot of hairspray in my hair. And they were like, yeah, sorry. We didn't actually think about that. <laughs> and how we were endangering you because of the hairspray. Just so you guys know, in the part of my notes that talk about this scene, I wrote, Morgana goes to the vault. Fire! <laughs> it's very close to her face, and it's enormous. The flames are big. Yeah. We'll leave you with that delightful note of more fire on Merlin. And more fire next week, a huge fire. Which week? There's no, there's no week without fire. It's fire all the time. You know what? Next week on Merlin, I never go back and watch it again. I'm really not trying to nitpick the scenes. Okay, good. Because I don't really want to know too much about the episode before it happens. I'm really happy to hear that because I don't want you to try to figure it out. We'll see you next time for more horrible things on Merlin. Which is a great show, but just some horrible things are going to happen. <laughs> see you next week. Yeah. <laughs>